God has given each of us the amazing ability to influence others. If you could exert your influence um, in many ways, if you were to kick a rock, you would be exerting your influence on the rock, and the laws of physics would dictate how far it would go and which direction it would bounce based on how hard you kick it and, and what shape it is and the friction and the momentum and all these things. Uh, if you kick a dog, you're going to get a different reaction. Uh, the dog may run away. The dog may attack you. If you kick me, you might get an unpredictable reaction from me. Uh, you don't need to test that. But the point is, because we are living beings and we are a living system, it's uh, we are ex- constantly exerting influence on one another, even without, without even knowing it. You, when you came in today, you exerted influence on other people around you. The way that you entered this building, the way that you greeted people or didn't greet people, where you sat, your mannerisms, everything about what you did was impacting people around you because we're in a living system and we're constantly influencing and reacting to one another. Most of the time, it's not even a conscious thing that we're doing. Here, in this letter, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he is describing the influence that he had on them in their faith as that of a father. In verse 15, he says, In Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Now, when the Apostle Paul calls himself father... He's not talking about having a position of authority over the people or some kind of dominance over them. He's not being uh, patriarchal in in the way that we use that term, being dominant. Um, And in fact, Jesus, in that sense, Jesus said, uh, don't call anybody father. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, he said, do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Jesus is talking about the ultimate authority and headship belongs to God the Father in heaven. When when the Apostle Paul describes himself as father to this congregation, uh, he's, he's not talking about his rule over them. He's talking about his relationship to them. It's not his authority, but his influence on them. Uh, so his posture was that of a father and the influence of a father in relationship, a close bond a life-on-life connection that he had with these people. And in that sense, it's a, it's a very correct image. It's a very beautiful image. Uh, we, could, we, could even, we could easily say mother image, father or mother, because, it's, it's, again, it's not about headship. It's not about authority. It's about the influence of a loving parent to a child. It's a family image. And Paul contrasts this notion of father or mother with that of a guardian. Look at verse 15. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. And this notion of guardian, and in the Roman world, a guardian, or sometimes translated uh, a guide or a teacher, the Greek word is pedagogue, which comes to us, comes into the English language. Uh, So the pedagogue was a hired servant who would walk with the children and uh, and trained them and helped them get educated. There might be sort of a tutoring role or getting them to their school and back and uh, teaching them manners and, 
and they would be a, a sort of a, someone who's kind of come alongside the child, but it's always a hired hand. And the influence of a teacher, even the best teacher, is minuscule compared to the role of a father or a mother. And in Jesus Christ, Paul says, that's the role. He said, that's the role that I played, and that's the role that we all get to play. A role of deep influence in the lives of others. And by living our lives as uh, examples of faith to others, we become fathers and we become mothers to the children that Jesus has placed in our lives, to those who he's called us to. So today, I want to look at two ways in which this is just a uniquely powerful position of influence and why we would want to understand it and have a vision for it and take it very seriously, the role that we could play in others' lives um, as uh, as a father or a spiritual mother, particularly as we contrast it with this notion of of guardian or teacher. So let's, let's pray as we approach this together. So Father God, this is your word, and we, by faith, understand that it is living and it is active and that you use your word to shape our understanding of you and our understanding of our lives. So we pray, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we would understand you in this time and that we would respond in obedience to you. You are a great God, and your power is great, but your love is also great. And we lean into that during this time. We give you all the glory. We give you ourselves, and we give you this time, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first aspect of this that makes it such a uniquely powerful notion is that being a spiritual father or mother, is not about giving knowledge, but it's about giving life. Teachers transfer knowledge. Fathers and mothers transfer being. So a, a, a teaching would emphasize, emphasize what you're learning. Uh, parenting would emphasize what you are becoming. It's the difference between what you know and who you are. And nothing has the power to shape us than in life than the power of parenting and the power of the family system in which we grew up in. Uh, we, some of us feel like self-made people, but no one is, is truly self-made, that we are profoundly shaped by family patterns in our lives, even patterns that have been handed down in generations of our families. And uh, the pastor and Christian author, Peter Scazzaro, he would say to his congregation, He would say, look, Jesus lives in your hearts, but grandpa lives in your bones. That you are so profoundly impacted by your family, the way that you function in society, the way you understand what it means to be a friend or a spouse or a parent or a worker. Those those understandings of life are profoundly impacted uh, by your family of origin. Um, how to solve problems, how to deal with conflict, both positive things and negative things we have learned from these family systems. You could just picture two very different family systems. One family, very non-confrontational, very non-combative. Uh, they would do anything to you know, keep peace and don't, uh, don't have open conflict. You picture another family that's very 
uh, aggressive and confrontational, and you imagine an uh, individual from the one family and from the other falling in love and becoming married from those two very different systems. And you chuckle because you might say, yeah, I could imagine that because maybe you've lived that. And how you would deal with conflict and how you would uh, resolve things and make decisions. And it could lead to great misunderstanding because your views have been so profoundly shaped. This is a profound type of relationship that Paul is talking to us about. The message that a parent gives to a child uh, can shape their, their, them throughout their life moving forward. Um, again, Peter Scazzaro, he wrote this book called Emotionally Healthy Leader, which I've recently worked through uh, with some colleagues. And he gives some examples of what this could look like. The narrative and the script that we give ourselves from family of origin. He describes Dan. He says, Dan is a highly accomplished doctor who earns a very good salary. He also serves on the church board. He struggles with perfectionism and workaholism that hurt his relationship both at work and at church. One day when he was 10, he came home with an A on his report card and was punished by his father for not getting an A+. He sat uh, Dan down in his room and drilled him on every vocabulary word since that is where he got two answers wrong. His script, Dan's script, is get it right all the time. Don't make mistakes. There's Allison. Allison's parents divorced when she was seven. She remembers the day when her parents sat across the table from her, her and her brother, to tell them the news. I love you and I will be there for you, her father promised. The problem came six months later when he remarried and started a new family. She and her brother rarely saw their dad over the next 20 years. Her cautious and careful approach to life is both an expression and uh, expression of prudence and of a negative script. Her script, don't trust people. June. June's parents immigrated to the United States from China. They left behind their language, culture, family, and jobs to make a better life for June and her three brothers in New York. They worked 12-hour days, six and a half days a week, and had only one message for their children. Study, make it in America. Toward that end, June excelled at school and graduated at the top of her high school class. The script that she learned... Your worth and your value are based on your performance and achievements. And perhaps you could relate to that, that these messages that we get, these scripts that we've learned, they've been instilled in us from a very young age. And my point in this is that just the powerful influence that a parent can have on a child. And in Jesus Christ, Paul says he had that same influence on the lives of these young Christians in Corinth. Because the Christian life is about, it, it's about being born again through the, the saving and the forgiving power of Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. Jesus said, you must be born again. And Paul said, I was part of that for you, that, uh, that new life, that in Jesus Christ you became a new creation. 
And he instilled a new scripts into their lives, a new message that you are loved by the God of the universe, that you are forgiven of all your sins, that you have hope and you have a future. And that's the message that he instilled in them as a father uh, who, who loves these children. At other times, the Apostle Paul, he really downplayed his role. He said, look, I didn't come to you with some eloquent thing. I didn't, um, I, I didn't, I didn't baptize you. I wasn't, I, it wasn't about me. But here he, he claims his role and he celebrates his role because he got to see people come to faith and to have that new life. And then for every one of us, we have that same opportunity to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to uh, to, to, to bring that message of, of new life and hope, to see people born again. We get to see that. Because it's not about giving knowledge, it's about giving life to people. The, the second way in which this is just a powerful notion, in which the notion of being a spiritual mother or father is uniquely powerful, is that it's, it's not about information, it's about imitation. Verse 16 He says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. He said, I want you to emulate my life. Paul had lived with them for many months, 18 months he had lived with them. They saw how he lived and how he worked and how he taught and, and how he worked hard among them. They saw how he trusted Jesus and he set for them an example to emulate. Now, these early Christians, we have to remember, these early Christians had never met Jesus. The apostles had walked with Jesus. They had met Jesus. Even Paul, in his way, had, had been face-to-face with Jesus. But they didn't have that. They didn't have a whole Bible. But they had Paul, whose life had been changed, living out his faith before them. And they could see Jesus in that and understand Jesus through that. And he said later in the letter, in in chapter 11, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's the pattern. Ever since the time of the apostles, it's been people whose lives have been profoundly impacted by Jesus. Living it out in front of others where it's seen and understood. In a way that it couldn't just by by writing it down or just just through information. It's about seeing a life lived and, and emulating that. I mean, information is everywhere. He, he says, again, back in verse 15, even if you had 10,000 guardians, 10,000 teachers in Christ, you don't have many fathers. I mean, there's, there's so, much, so many ways you could be taught about Jesus and so much information. We, um, and he says, you could have 10,000 guardians. 10,000 in the Greek mind, it was just, it's sort of a, um, just the biggest number they had. We say, you know, a zillion. It's not even a real number, but it just means a lot. This is just... There's information at your fingertips. For, for us, I mean, you can, uh, you can go online and you can listen to really good sermons. You can watch videos on, uh, on YouTube of just really good preaching, much better than you would ever get here. Uh, you could read really good Christian books, just profound teaching. You could enroll in a seminary, very accessible. You could go online, distance learning. You could, uh, you could go to a conference. There is so much information out there, why would, you, why would you come to a church like this? Because it's not about information. It's about living life together. It's about being, living life as a family. And, and all of the trusting Jesus together and seeing it in one another. 
and living as, an, as living examples to one another as we walk this course of life with Jesus. My friend and colleague, Pastor David Midwood, he used to say, you, know, you can teach people what you know, but you're only going to reproduce who you are. You know, I, I, I try to tinker on my um, cars. I, I want to do my own repairs. Um, I don't know if that makes me feel more masculine or important, or I don't know what it does, but, um, but I like to do that. I mean, I'm cheap. But, you know, I have, I, I have a pickup truck, and I have two manuals, two repair manuals. These things, it, they, I don't, they're written in English, but I, I think... It doesn't look like English when I read it. I can't make sense of the little diagrams and the drawings. I just can't do it. But if I watch a video on YouTube of somebody else fixing their vehicle that's similar to mine, I have a little higher rate of success. But not a high enough rate of success because I'll get to a point where it's just broken. I can't put it back together. And I call my friend Jeff. And Jeff comes over and Jeff shows me how to put the parts in and how to get it just right and how it goes and the mistakes I'm showing me, the mistakes I'm making. And I can then emulate him and the rate of success goes much higher. I mean, it's limited by what he knows too. So I also have a, a good mechanic. But the, <laughs> the point is, it's when we, when we see it life on life, when we're apprenticing with one another, this is, this is the beauty. Um, it, it's the beauty of our life together. Um, and he said, that's why I'm sending you Timothy in verse 17. For this reason, I've sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. He's, he's gonna, he's, Timothy's going to come to you. He's going to remind you of, of the things that I taught you in my way of life. But it's not just reminding him of Paul. It's that he's there as a physical reminder that I came to you flesh and blood. Timothy's going to be with you flesh and blood. You're going to see him living out his faith the same way you saw me living out my faith so that you can emulate and you can live out your faith in your world that God's called you to. Life on life. He didn't just write, he wrote them letters, but it wasn't just a letter. And he desired, I want to come to you and I'm coming and I'm going to warn you about some things I'd like you to take care of before I get there. Uh, that kind of the end of the passage here. So he's, he is teaching them through this writing, but he also desires to be with them so that they can do this life together. We need these reminders. Timothy's going to remind you of this. We need reminders because we are people who are so prone to forget, so easy to forget. People who drift from their faith and they drift from Christ, it's not because... Typically, it's not because they're actively rebelling against Jesus. It's just that we forget. We put it aside and other things become important and, and there's this drift. And we need these constant reminders of Jesus and his love. For as a community, we have a number of reminders. We, our tradition is once a month we celebrate communion together. Remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. And in this simple act of, of eating these elements, we are reminded of Jesus' great sacrifice for us, that he died as our substitute in our place, that we can be forgiven of our sins. We do that regularly. We have uh, his word. We have our Bible. So hopefully daily we are looking at God's word and remembering again God's faithfulness through all history, God's faithfulness to his people, his, his great love for the world he created in which he is uh, redeeming, in which he will one day uh, restore to all of its 
all of its perfection, all of its goodness. That we are reminded of that as we read God's word. But even better, we have each other to remind one another of God's faithfulness to us. Just last night, I was with some friends and just uh, recounting stories of God's faithfulness and hearing people share how they trusted God through very difficult times in their lives. And that inspires my faith because others have trusted God and God has proved himself faithful to them. And he, then, therefore, I can trust him with the things that, that, are, that I am trusting him with knowing that he is faithful to his people and that he's working all things, even difficult things, together for good. Even when I don't see it, I don't see the purpose of it, he's at work and he is good. And we need each other to keep reminding one another because we'll forget. And here Paul says, imitate me. Now, I'll acknowledge when 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 I read this, and when you read this, we may say, well, um, if I were to say to people, imitate my way of life, imitate my faith, I'm walking on thin ice there. Uh, because, I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul, his life, I'm consistent from church to church. Everything I've taught everywhere, I live this perfectly consistent life. And I look at my life and say, hmm, hmm, you know, fairly consistent some of the time. You may even feel like a, a, I'm a bad example of faith. I would not want people to emulate me in a spiritual sense. I'm not a good spiritual mother or father. I've been a, a bad uh, mother or father to my own children. How would I be a spiritual example to anyone else? And, um, and I understand that. I've felt those same things. To you, I'd say this. A few things. One is that in Jesus Christ... Our past does not define our future. That by the grace of Jesus Christ, we are being made new. That we are being forgiven of all those things which we've done. The regrets of the past are gone. They are nailed to the cross. They are no more. And Jesus is making something new of our lives. That we can start, even today, to to live a life of faith that can be an example. In fact, today, as you feel those feelings of inadequacy or of past failure... It can be a call from God to you to repent of your sin, to turn to him again and receive his grace and receive the healing that only he can bring. It's a call to us. And if that's you, if you are taking your sin and receiving forgiveness from God, not because you're earning it, but because Jesus Christ died for you, because he's perfectly earned it for you, if that's you, then you are a spiritual example. You are demonstrating the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that we take our sin to the cross and we receive his grace. That's you. So you can be an example, a spiritual parent in that sense. Uh, Secondly, is that teaching through your own failures is actually more powerful than if you just nailed it your whole life. So if if you uh, perfectly lived out your faith your whole life and you go to people and say, hey, just live like me, they'll say, hey, that's not going to happen. Because, uh, because we've, we all fall short. Even Paul himself, he's already written to them. He said, he's admitting he came to them in fear and trembling and weakness. He later, te- in another letter he wrote to them, we call it 2 Corinthians, but it was probably, I don't know, his third letter or so to this church. He, sa- he was talking about how weak he was 
and how his own struggles, and he's admitting this to them. So it's not just that he was so perfect, but that he was living out his faith, trusting God's strength in and through his weakness. He actually understood God's strength more through his weakness. So if you feel weak, again, as you trust God, that is an example of faith. Uh, and then lastly, if, if, if you feel like, you know, I'm not really that example of faith, I'm not really a spiritual mother or father, that remember that you, we're talking about you know, giving this to others, but we also receive this. That in Jesus Christ and as a spiritual family, there are those who will play this role of mother or father to instill faith in you, examples for you to follow, that you might grow and that you might uh, then have received something that you can now give to someone else, that we uh, were in it together. So it's, it, there's this beautiful reciprocal nature. Every, in a human sense, every human you know, had parents, and there, I mean, there's always those above us or around us who can play that role for us as well so that we might grow as children of God. Because it's about um, lives, it's about imitation, not just information. It's about giving life to each other, not just giving knowledge. So how do we apply this? Uh, The first thing is just to know and to remember that we're all influencers. We all have this beautiful opportunity to influence the lives that we interact with every day. Uh, we all get to be mothers and fathers. And, and in a literal sense, some of us are parents, but in, in this beautiful uh, way that we all spiritually get to be influencers because we are a spiritual family. If you are not connected to that family, my, my number one encouragement is that you might check out a small group. And we have some new ones that have just started or that are just starting and would love for you to connect with that. Now, I say that a lot. And I, you know, week after week, say, okay, one of the ways that we can live this out is in the context of a small group. I will continue to say it week after week because we believe that that is a beautiful environment where we live as a spiritual family, where we can see each other's lives, where we can uh, see faith lived out and imitate those things and learn from one another uh, this, this way of life and following Jesus together through the highs and the lows and everything in between. So that's a great way to connect. However, this morning, if, if you sense that God may be calling you to take, maybe this is the time where you are going to start using your influence uh, to be a spiritual mother or father to, to someone else. I, I encourage you to consider our next generations, our children, and our youth. You could teach Sunday school. You could uh, teach in the youth ministry or, or help out or be an assistant. Um, it's just a, a beautiful way to, to instill this way of life into the next generation. Our, a number of our uh, junior high and high school students are away at the snow camp, the deep freeze weekend. They get their money's worth because it's a deep freeze. It was, it's a cold one. Um, but we have these uh, youth leaders who have committed their weekend to go do this. And I remember when I was a youth pastor, these weekends, just intense time of relationship and eating meals with these kids and trying to get them to sleep and long nights. And it was a lot of work now, actually, as a parent, because both my kids are gone at the thing. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, I, this is great. They just, see you later Friday. All the parents are smiling. Well, why are the parents so happy? This is like a lot of work, this snow camp thing. But it's just, this is great. So, um, but, but 
there are those who have stepped up to help and nurture my own children. P- people who have to, adults who have to go to work tomorrow after being up late Friday night and Saturday night and all the activity and trying to harness the energy that is middle and high school students, but pointing them to the love of Jesus through these things. And I'm so grateful. In any, we could be part of this. And we're, we're sharing the gospel together. We've new, we've been, this year we've been implementing this new curriculum, the Gospel Project. And it's not the flashiest curriculum we've ever used, but it's very gospel, very Christ-centered. And in Jesus Christ, we are becoming parents to, to this next generation by instilling that in them. But it's also not just in this church. Beyond the walls of this church, we can, use, we can live our lives as an influence to those who God has put before us. Uh, some of you are coaching or mentoring or tutoring or connected with mentoring programs like Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And these are wonderful, beautiful expressions of using your influence as a person of faith to build into the lives of others. Even at work, you can be an influence to those around you at work. One of the best ways to be an influence is just to listen to people. To just be somebody who, can, who is there to hear and to listen. And the, you know, the old saying, uh, people won't, um, they don't care what you know until they know that you care. Just to be a person who is, is trusted as, as a listener and who cares for others. And then perhaps someday as you listen, the door may open for you to share about the good news of Jesus Christ. But to just be there, to, to be that Influence. It's for all of us, and God has called us all to live this way. And it's all rooted in who God is, because God could have given us, uh, in, He could have given us information from heaven, but what did He do? He came from heaven to earth, took on human flesh, and walked with us a, a life to, to emulate, a pattern of life. And He lived His life, and He gave His life on the cross that we might live a new life in Him. And it's a life that we live walking with one another. And by living our lives of faith as examples to others that God has put before us, we become fathers and mothers to the dear children he's called us to. Let us pray. Father, this is a high calling. And, but by your grace, we would not... Um, it's only by your grace that we can accept and embrace this, Lord. Help us to know how you are prompting us even now that we might grow in this. Thank you for giving us each other. Thank you for this family. Thank you for the beautiful examples of faith and of um, those who have trusted you. And we just pray, Lord, that we would uh, grow in this. That we would see new life born. New lives who turn to you in faith and trust you uh, for their very uh, salvation and life, Lord. Be glorified in that. Be glorified in your church. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.